Hello and welcome. This is 21. Episode 4.2 Trajan's Bridge is Falling Down I know, I know, the title's cheesy. Last week, we introduced the fourth wonder on our list, Trajan's Bridge. Now you may have noticed that this week's show is a little bit shorter, and this is because I wanted to dive into the Dacian Wars, the wars fought between Emperor Trajan and Dacia, a little more closely with someone who is more of an expert on this topic. That is why next week we will be doing an interview with Mike Duncan. Mike is the host of the popular podcast, The History of Rome, as well as his newest podcast, Revolutions. In our interview with him, we will talk about the Dacian Wars and the state of the Roman Empire at the time of Trajan's reign. I'm really excited about this interview, and I think it will help us to put Trajan's Bridge into the proper context so we can fully appreciate the magnitude and the grandeur of it, as well as the situation and the time within which it was built. But anyways, back to Trajan's Bridge. Built across the Danube in southeastern Europe, this extraordinary bridge was designed to be an essential lifeline for the Roman military campaigns further north into Eastern Europe. It took more than two years to build, and upon its completion, it was the biggest bridge in the world. Little did Trajan know at the time that it would hold this title for more than a thousand years, even after the Roman Empire had long since fallen. He was busy planning to expand the Roman Empire and use this bridge, not only as a river crossing, but also as a symbol of Rome's power, wealth, and ambition. This was Trajan's vision for his magnificent bridge. That vision did not last long after his reign, though, and the emperors that followed him knew that his adventurous construction project could very well turn out to be a serious problem for them and the empire. But I'm getting ahead of myself. In 103 AD, with his new bridge complete, Trajan was ready to resume his war against Dacia. And the bridge would prove to be a key piece of the Roman success. As hostilities resumed between Rome and Dacia, things looked very different at the outset than they had the previous time these two old foes locked horns. When Trajan and Decebalus first went to war in 101 AD, the Dacians had money, allies, and equipment to wage a traditional war against the Romans. But they had learned hard and fast that the Romans were their premier fighting force in the ancient world, and challenging them to traditional battles was a surefire way to lose. So Decebalus and the Dacians were going to try a different tactic. As Trajan and his men marched over Trajan's bridge, they beelined straight for Sarmatsagutha, the capital of Dacia. In an attempt to stop the Roman advance, Decebalus and the Dacians engaged in a more guerrilla-type campaign, harassing the supply lines, attacking patrols and scouts, and making the march as difficult as possible for the Romans. But this did not slow the Romans down. Trajan had employed arguably the most famous Roman military maneuver in his approach to Sarmatsagutha, the pincer. Once across the Danube, he split his army in two, 
moved up through separate mountain passes and had them converge on the capital from two different sides. The Dacians did their best to hold out, but the Romans were too strong. They sacked the city and took hundreds of Dacians back to Rome to be gladiators. Decebalus managed to escape the city, but the Romans caught up to him quickly. In order to avoid the humiliation of being dragged out in front of the Roman public, Decebalus killed himself just before the Romans could capture him. With their leader dead and their capital taken, Dacia was finally pacified. It was added to the Roman Empire as a province, but not without great sacrifice. Decebalus was one of the few barbarian leaders at the time of Rome's quote-unquote golden age that was not easy to pacify. So much so that Cassius Dio, despite the fact that he lived more than a hundred years after the death of Decebalus, described the man with awe and respect. He describes the man as, quote, This man, Decebalus, was shrewd in the understanding of warfare, shrewd also in the waging of war. He judged well when to attack and chose the right moment to retreat. He was an expert in ambus codes and a master in pitched battles. He knew not only how to follow up a victory well, but also how to manage well in defeat. Hence, he showed himself a worthy antagonist of the Romans for a long time. End quote. Trajan's conquests were the high point of the Roman Empire. It was the final time that Rome would push out into the frontier to fight wars and conquer territories. War was certainly not finished for the Romans, but from now on, they would be fought on Roman soil, with the Romans playing defense rather than offense. And it would not be that far removed from Trajan that his magnificent bridge would come falling down. Rome's exceptional architecture, design, and workmanship was so advanced that peoples who came centuries after the Romans used their buildings, forts, and walls as staples to their societies. In fact, it was usually whatever Roman construction was left that was the main focus of a town, tribe, or people. Roman construction was so strong that it almost seemed like only two things could destroy Roman construction projects, time and the Romans themselves. And Trajan's bridge was no different. Following Trajan's death, his successor Hadrian came to the Roman throne. Hadrian was another of the five good emperors, but he saw the Roman Empire very differently from Trajan. While Trajan had dreams of expanding the Roman Empire, Hadrian saw it as already big enough, maybe too big, and wanted to bring it back to some more natural boundaries. And rivers make excellent natural boundaries. And the Danube wasn't the only major river that Trajan had crossed in pursuits of Roman conquest. Trajan had also crossed the Tigris and Euphrates rivers into Parthia and had made several conquests. However, Hadrian felt that Rome was overextending herself. He wanted to secure Rome's borders and be able to focus on strengthening the already large empire. Nothing symbolizes this more than the main reason that Hadrian is remembered. Hadrian's Wall. I won't go into detail about Hadrian's Wall for it might come up later in this show, 
But as you probably already know, Hadrian's Wall was built across the northern Britannia frontier to protect Rome and its interests from the Picts, the peoples of modern-day Scotland. The wall is still there to this day. As Hadrian set about creating Rome's quote-unquote official boundaries, he chose to abandon Trajan's conquests both in Parthia and, importantly for us, Dacia. Hadrian set the northeastern Roman border on the Danube River. This created a sudden problem with Trajan's bridge. While Trajan had built the bridge as an offensive necessity, it was now an open door into the backyard of the empire for an already proven opponent of Rome. Hadrian knew he could not have that, not if he was going to secure what was inside his borders. Even though Roman troops would remain in Dacia and it would be a part of the Roman Empire for a number more years, Hadrian ordered the bridge destroyed. The bones of the bridge were still there, but the main walkway was torched. Trajan's bridge could never again match its original glory. By the time Cassius Dio came around, the bridge was a shadow of its former self. Cassius Dio describes the bridge as it was at his time, quote, Merely the piers are standing, offering no means of crossing, as if they were erected for the sole purpose of demonstrating that there is nothing which human energy cannot accomplish. Trajan's reason for constructing the bridge was his fear that, sometime when the Ister, or the Danube, was frozen, war might be made on the Romans across the water, and his desire to enjoy the easy access to them that this work would permit. Hadrian, on the contrary, was afraid that the barbarians might overpower the guard at the bridge and cross into Moesia, so he removed the surface work. End quote. Trajan's bridge remained in this fashion for about two and a half centuries before it was destroyed completely. In late 274 AD, the Emperor Aurelian ordered the Roman troops out of Dacia once and for all. The empire at the time was reeling from barbarian invasions and attacks on all sides, and Aurelian didn't see holding Dacia as a necessity. In 275 AD, as the troops evacuated, they destroyed what remained of the wooden bones of the bridge, leaving only the stone bases remaining in the river. As the Roman Empire continued to struggle and eventually fell to the barbarians, the remnants of Trajan's bridge began to slip beneath the waters of the Danube and out of memory. Trajan's bridge would remain a distant memory throughout the Middle Ages, despite two of its original pillars still visible on the banks of the Danube. With the rise of the barbarians in Central and Eastern Europe, and the Arabs to the south, and the decline of the Eastern Roman Empire, or the Byzantine Empire, Memories of territories on the fringe of the Roman Empire began to slip away. Trajan's Bridge was among them. But the Renaissance offered new life for the memory of Trajan's Bridge. Sometime during the reign of French King François I, he sent delegations to Ottoman Sultan Suleiman, the Magnificent, and asked him to send the French King one of the pillars from Trajan's Bridge in order that he may study the concrete that the Romans used. Now, we are unsure as to when this letter was sent, 
but Francois reigned from about 1550 to 1547 AD. Almost 1300 years after the bridge was destroyed, and the mysteries of Roman construction were still trying to be unraveled. This is the last time we have mention of Trajan's Bridge in the historical record until the mid-1800s. In 1856, a drought in Eastern Europe caused the Danube River to drop severely in water height. With the water at record lows, all 20 of the pillars of Trajan's Bridge were visible. So I guess Suleiman the Great did not send one of the pillars to King Francois I after all. Maybe he sent him a piece of one that broke off or something. As the world began to move into the modern world, the remains of Trajan's Bridge began to become a problem for river traffic. The Danube River runs from southern Germany through central and eastern Europe all the way to the Black Sea. And on the Black Sea, you have mineral and oil-rich nations such as Azerbaijan, Georgia, and Armenia. And the easiest way to move these riches to the rapidly developing center of Europe, Germany, was along the Danube River. As river traffic became more and more frequent and heavy, something had to be done about the massive stone bases of Trajan's Bridge still in the river. In an effort to assist the growing river traffic, two of the pillars in the middle of the river were removed. Trajan's Bridge doesn't reappear until 1932, when a group of archaeologists set out to map the remaining 16 underwater pillars in the Danube. To be honest, the fact that there were still all 16 pillars remaining underwater in the Danube River for more than 1,800 years shows the mastery of Roman engineering and construction, and only reinforces the point that only two things could destroy Roman construction— time, or the Romans. However, this increase in river travel did not help the remains of the bridge. In 1982, 50 years after the first group of archaeologists, another group was set out to mark the 16 pillars that were still in the river, but they found that there were only 12 remaining. The others were presumed to have been washed away or knocked out of their bases by the increased river travel. But it was not all bad news for Trajan's Bridge. In 1979, Trajan's Bridge was added to the list of Monument of Cultural of Exceptional Importance. This is a list of historically important sites in the country of Serbia. Since Trajan's Bridge crossed the Danube from modern-day Serbia to modern-day Romania, it is of cultural importance to both nations. On top of that, in 1983, Serbia also added it to the Archaeological Sites of Exceptional Importance list. This placed the remains of Trajan's Bridge under the state protection of the Serbian government. As such, the remains of Trajan's Bridge on the Serbian side of the river will remain standing where they are at as a historical landmark. The two land-based pillars of Trajan's Bridge can still be seen on both sides of the Danube River in Romania and Serbia today. Hopefully at some point in the future, either the governments of Serbia and Romania or some outside third party will get permission to rebuild Trajan's Bridge. Of all the wonders of the ancient world that we'll get to on this list and have already covered, Trajan's Bridge was truly revolutionary.
For the time it was built and the technology of the day, Trajan's Bridge was almost a physical impossibility. The generals and architects in Trajan's army must have looked completely dumbfounded when Trajan first pitched the idea of a bridge across the Danube. And it is not just the size or materialistic point of view that this is the case, but it is also because no one had ever tried anything close to this before. Little did they know that it would be more than a millennium until someone even attempted a bridge close to this magnitude. It is for this fact alone that Trajan's Bridge not only deserves a spot on this list, but deserves more of the spotlight from history. Rome is the most famous of the ancient civilizations, and we will definitely be visiting Rome again later in this show. But Trajan's Bridge is perhaps its best kept secret. Constructed to enable his army to conquer the kingdom of Dacia, Trajan's Bridge is truly unique among the wonders of the ancient world. It was a permanent structure for an offensive military campaign. And although it didn't stand for very long, it was still the peak of bridge building until the development of steel. No bridge in the ancient, medieval, or renaissance world would come close to Trajan's Bridge. That brings us to the conclusion of this episode. Usually, I would have a little quip here at the end about a preview of our next episode, but we have run into a little bit of a difficulty. I know I said earlier in the show that we will be doing an interview with Mike Duncan next week, and for those of you who are binging this show in the future, that is the next episode. So go on and enjoy it. However, for those of you listening to the show each week as it comes out, that will not be the next episode. Mike is currently moving from France back to the United States over these next few weeks and is obviously incredibly busy. But we will get to do the interview with him whenever we get the chance. I will keep you updated as things move along. So we will come back to Trajan's Bridge. But when that will happen, I'm not sure. For all those future listeners, though, enjoy the interview with Mike. He's incredibly knowledgeable and a great podcaster. For those of you who are listening now, we are going to jump into the next wonder on our list. This wonder, another of the original seven, needs no introduction. Yeah. 